Janet leaned over to me when that music was playing. She goes, it kind of makes you want to get up and dance. I don't know how that made you feel, but uh, hopefully a little more cheery about life. Are you grateful today for all the blessings of God? One of the things that God provides for us uh, are financial resources. And here's, here's the thing about money and why it's so important. And I don't preach about it very often. We try to talk about it most weeks in an offering time. But money can either bring blessing to your life or bring curses upon your life, depending on how you view it and how you handle it. It is, money is an incredibly wonderful servant for you to accomplish things in life that need to be done. But when it becomes your master, and that was the question, do you control it or does it control you? When it becomes your master, it makes your life miserable. And when it becomes the, the focus of life, the, the accumulation of wealth, you will never be satisfied. The Proverbs talk about that. There are a few things that are never satisfied, and one of them is a greedy heart. It always wants more, and therefore cannot stop and to be grateful for what you do have. So we're grateful today because of all the blessings of God. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I started off this series, and I talked about God's plan for acquiring wealth, and it is that we earn it, that we work, and that we allow him to anoint our thinking. How many of you can acknowledge that God has helped you to be smarter than you could be on your own? And if, he, if you haven't experienced that, it's because you've not asked for it. James chapter 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that means you qualify. You're anyone. Let him ask God, and God gives it in abundant proportion, and God gives it without any discrimination for all who ask. The goal is not to have money. Another verse we'll look at next week, but in Corinthians, the Bible says God has given us everything that we have to furnish us to do his work. Now, there's also a place in Scripture that very clearly tells us that wealth has been given for our enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with you enjoying life. Just don't make enjoyment your primary pursuit. I've told you this before about other things. Joy is hard to capture, but it's easier to create. And when you create it, you get to share in it. That's the good part. So let's look today at five biblical principles for managing money. So we've talked about acquiring money, managing money will be the topic today. I'm gonna go real quick. There's a lot of things I'm not going to say. You will probably have, if you've done studies on finance before, if you've been through any of the financial courses that are out there, Dave Ramsey or Ron Blue or, or uh, back in the day, Crown uh, Financial, any of the Larry Burkett, any of those kind of guys, you've, you've probably got more than I'm going to give you today. And I would just tell you this, those guys wrote books, I'm doing a sermon, and I'm going to try to get it quick and hit the high points really hard, be very clear and very direct with some of the things I say to help you get this, and then I'm going to encourage you to make application to your own life as the Holy Spirit brings it to you. First of all, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 makes a very important statement about finances and the way we approach finance. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Solomon recognized this reality that when you put God first, 
God will take care of you. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He, he goes on this topic of worry and anxiety. He says, why do you worry about life? Can you add an inch to your height or a day to your life? Does your worry help? We all know the truth. The reality is worry does not add to your life. It subtracts from your life. But he goes on in concluding that, that passage. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, one of the things he's talking about, food to eat, clothes to wear, the things we need in life, all these things will be added to you. There's about 2,350 verses in the Bible that reference money, so it's an important topic. Billy Graham said this, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. That's a, that's a powerful statement. God owns everything. That's the first principle we have to get as it relates to money is that God is the owner of everything. Therefore, we are just the managers of what God owns. How many of you know they don't have U-Hauls hooked up to the hearse? You don't get to take it with you. Somebody said, well, I'm going to bury it with me. Well, grand idea. There's a story told about a guy that uh, he had three close friends, and he asked all of them to bring 10000 in cash and put it in the casket when he was buried. And uh, two of the friends obliged, and they brought to the funeral that day a pack of $100 bills, and they stuck it in there for the man. The third guy was a little more shrewd. He had written a check for $30,000. He stuck it in and took out the two packs of 10000 And he fulfilled his obligation, but he came out ahead. In the grave, none of your wealth is going to matter. Jesus said it this way, do not store up treasure on earth because it all goes away, but rather store up treasure in heaven. Now, we're talking primarily this morning about five keys for managing wealthy uh, money and, and wealthy uh, things that we accumulate in life, the wealth that we have that's just of this world. And, and so I want to give you five principles today that relate to your daily management of the money God puts in your hands. Number one is budget wisely. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. If you don't have a budget in life, whether it's written, whether it's understood, now I'll tell you up front, it's better to have it written down to the best of your ability and to stick to it, to stay with it. It should never be your master. It's your servant. You can always deviate when a need comes up or an opportunity shows up. But if you have a game plan, you're at least going to be headed in the right direction. What happens if we have no idea of how we're going to manage our money? If we don't know what we're going to do with our money, there are going to be a lot of things that pop up that are going to be asking for it. Things you see on TV that you have to call right now in order. Because in the next 30 minutes, not only will you get what they have offered, but they will double your order. It's because they're losing money so badly, they have to get rid of all their stuff, he said with sarcastic intent. 
Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are unable to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, the basic elements of a budget, whether it's for your, your family, for your business, for a church, there's two basic sides of a budget. It's income and expense. So this side's income. This side is expense. If expense is bigger than income, you really only have two options, either raise income or lower expense. But you have to have this one being bigger than this one. And some of the things today, I'm going to tell you about our church a little bit, just so you know this. We typically try to plan that we have somewhere of $120,000 to $170,000 of money that we expect to come in more than what we have planned to spend. Here's why. Air conditioners break. We got to have some money to take care of that when it happens. So we don't See, if, you have a, if your budget is your income and your expense are exactly equal, you're going to be in big, big trouble. Let me give you an illustration to help you figure this out. Let, I'm going to try to use easy numbers for myself so you can follow with me here. Let, let's say that as a church, we're going to sell T-shirts. And we're able to buy the T-shirts at $8 a piece. So this will be simple. It's not hard. It's not a big math. Just, just making the illustration. We're able to buy T-shirts for $8 a piece, We're, and we order 100 of them. That means we spend how much money? $800. We're going to sell them for $10. How much money will we make off the T-shirts? No, because we're not going to sell every one of them. We're going to give, and I'm telling you that because that's what happens. In our mind, we calculate, okay, we will sell every one of them. And I forget that there's somebody that's been in the church for 84 years who I have to give a t-shirt to. Now, what just happened? Now, now, why am I telling you this? Because it happens in the church and happens in real life. We have plans where we calculate out what's going to happen, but we don't bring every factor into consideration. And then we wind up into the deal thinking we're going to have $200 and we're $75 in the red. Budget must have that margin that's built in there so that when you have an unexpected expense, it is covered. I think that may be coming up. Yeah, it's here in the next page. It's in my next page. It's on my notes here. There's an old quote that says this. Brother Lambert, I've heard you say it. I heard Paul Harvey was quoted as being the originator. I heard other people's names. I think I saw five people that said this was their quote, so I didn't attribute to anybody if you want to attribute somebody, you can say Clarence Lambert, because I've heard him say it to me before. If your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. When you got more money going out than you got coming in, you're in trouble. Plan accordingly. That means you may not be able to do everything you want. One of my friends that used to attend our church here, and they moved back to Louisiana, he told me that his dad always said to him, you can have anything you want but not everything you want. In other words, you gotta figure out what your priority is. What is it that's important to you? And if you work toward that, you can probably accomplish that. But if you've got 15 things on your dream board, you may wind up in trouble. You may wind up having to give up something you really like because you did not budget wisely. 
Build margin into your budget. Be wise. Be filled with faith. Often in Scripture, we find this contrast between wise and foolish. And uh, another point of illustration with this budget thing is don't spend it before you have it. And don't spend it because you do have it. Spend it because what you're exchanging money for is of equal or greater value than the money that you have. It's a real simple principle of life. Um, so, so this illustration goes back a long time ago. And I'm, I started not to tell it because I'm afraid, you know, who's going to try to guess. But, but I, I don't think there'll be any problem with that. Several years ago, we had Dwayne Jones in for our Christmas gift for Jesus offering. It was one of the best we ever had. We had uh, received great offerings that day. And at the end of the day, this lady came up to me who I did not know. She was brand new in our church. Did not know her. But she came up and she said, uh, I think it costs like $25,000 to uh, buy a building in India that would be used for a school, a church, a clinic. I mean, for the building, that's what it would cost to purchase it. And... Um, this lady had been in our church like her second Sunday. And she came up to me and she says, I want to buy one of those clinic things. She goes, here's a check for $25,000. I said, thank you very much. I, it's very deeply appreciated. Melissa Turner was our financial uh, administrator at the time, our business manager. And the next day I went to Melissa and I said, look, I got this check from a lady yesterday. I have no idea who she is. It was my first time to meet her yesterday when she gave me that check. I said, call her bank and make sure the money is good before we write the check. Now, that's not me lacking faith. That's me not wanting to have a $25,000 deficit because somebody that potentially is a fruitcake. I don't know her. I don't have any idea who this lady is. So I don't know if her money's good or not. Melissa called. The bank said, yep, she's good for it. And then we wrote the check. Interestingly enough, the lady only came to our church like three times. And when she left, she, came, she called me up. She said, hey, pastor, I have loved being at your church, but I'm just so overwhelmed because I came from a church of about 40 people, and it's just hard for me to get, I just, I just don't fit in. But thanks for letting me come. And I said, well, thank you for giving to the missions project. Now, you don't want to write the check before you have it in the bank. So this is not very spiritual, but probably most of you are aware of this and have seen it. There was a, a, a Christmas movie out several years ago now called Christmas Vacation. How many of you know that great inspirational movie? And one of the, one of the things in the movie that was really bad in the movie, Clark Griswold, who's like one of the main characters, he has been told, you are going to get a ginormous Christmas year-end bonus. And he's excited, and he's going to build a pool, and he's spending the money, and he's all these things. And it winds up that his ginormous Christmas bonus is a jelly of the month club. And the story goes off the rails because he doesn't know, because he tried to spend the money before he had it. When you try to spend money that you think is coming in, if something happens that you weren't planning on, you're going to be in a bad place. And don't spend it because Disney World closes in 15 minutes. You can take the money home with you. 
Are you with me? Proverbs 21, 20, in today's English version says, Wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Pretty strong words. Make sure that you've built a plan for managing your wealth. Plan for future expenses. Proverbs 27, 23 through 27. I'm not going to take the time to read it right now. But it basically says this. Solomon is the writer. And he says, make sure that you know what the condition of your flocks are. Make sure you know uh, what your herds are like. Because, interesting phrase he says here, we may not always have the crown in our family. Everything may not be the way it is today. And if we have not properly prepared for the future, and we've not budgeted for the future, when we get to that point, we're going to be in trouble. So I've never been too uh, shy about sharing my age and stuff. I figure you can all Google it anyway and find it somewhere. So I'm 61 right now. I'll be 62 in April. And I remember as a young 22-year-old youth pastor thinking, why should I put money in retirement? Jesus will come back before then anyway. He's got a couple of years, <laughs> maybe more. But you know what I'm saying? It's amazing those of you that are younger look at me like, yeah, well, that's a long ways off. What you do now has huge impact on your future. And I can pretty much guarantee you for all the younger people in the room, if you start putting money in some kind of retirement fund right now, you will never regret that. So you don't get quite as many pizzas as you would have otherwise. You don't go to Starbucks quite as often as you would like. But in the end result, you have money to live on. Budget wisely. Ask God for help and think about everything. Secondly, spend thoughtfully. And I'm going to use the word slowly even there. One of the major problems in our culture is we are so quick to spend money. And it's so easy to spend even what you don't have. Amen? And it's easy to spend it quick. There, there aren't a lot of roadblocks in the way to slow you down. So you have to put the roadblocks there. There's different things to look at with this. And it's not how fast or slow, but it's just how thoughtful you approach spending. Let me throw this in. It's not in your notes. If you're spending for a major purchase, make sure you discuss it with your spouse. Nobody's going to say amen because if you did really loud right now, that means your spouse probably didn't do that for you and it's your chance to let them know you didn't appreciate it. <laughs> a lot of our expensive personal debt is created by impulse purchases. And it used to be, in the simple view of an impulse purchase is like what's on the end, the end cap at the store. Those are there for a reason. They're higher visibility. Typically, there's more... There's more uh, profit in those kind of items so they're there to kind of get you to do it and where does candy go 
in the grocery store at the checkout line, just in case you brought your kids with you. As they're sitting there, stopped and waiting, what are they doing? I need a Reese's. I need some chips. And all those things are put there to get you at that last minute to to buy things that really you don't need. Now, the reality is it's not just in small things, but it's also in large things. Things that appeal to you that you never thought you needed until you saw the commercial, then you had to have it. These go together, budgeting and spending. They connect with each other. You should spend your money in the proper sequence. Spend your money, first of all, by honoring God with your first fruits, giving to the Lord. There's debate about whether tithing is appropriate for New Testament Christians, of which we are part of it. And the reality is this, if you think that tithing is no longer part of the New Testament covenant, you, if you're thinking that so you're going to give less, you made a huge miscalculation. Because New Testament giving says this, it all belongs to God. And what the law requires, love exceeds. So tithing, in my opinion, is a beginning point. But it should not be legalistic. It not, should not be done under compulsion. That's what Paul talks about. It should be done with joy, gratitude, and generosity. Now, Jesus made it clear it's not a matter of equal giving. It's about the commitment. He looked at the little lady who gave just a couple of coins, and he said she gave more than anybody else. Now, by the way, that doesn't apply to you if you put in 25 cents in the offering. You think, well, hey, I gave more than anybody. That only applies if you have 30 cents to your name. It's not about giving a little amount. It's about giving from the heart. You should first give to God. Second, the monies you get should be used to pay for your required expenses. They should be used for things that you have to have, for your housing, for your clothing, for food, for transportation, things that are essential. Now, the problem is the things that are essential for most of us, that list has gotten a lot bigger, hasn't it? And we think I have to have the latest, the newest, the biggest, the best. Now, I'm not opposed to you having any of those things if you can afford it in your budget. Now, I hope I don't make anybody mad with this, but I'm being just transparent, which is not a new thing, so you should be used to it by now. It's always very disturbing for me when someone comes in and they need financial help and they haven't paid their electric bill in the last six months, and they have an iPhone 14. Somebody miscalculated. Say, Pastor, are you against iPhone 14s? No, I don't. Whatever you can afford and whatever you need and whatever's right for you. Where foolishness comes in is when we have that, but we can't put food on the table. You're just shouting me so well because this is so spiritual. By the way, this is spiritual because... All money belongs to God, so the way we handle it shows our worship of him. Everybody good, nobody mad? If you're mad, you can pray through and come talk to me afterwards, and we'll get it, get it together. The third place you put your money is in your savings. Make sure you put money back, and I'll talk about that more in just a moment. The fourth place are for desired purchases, 
after you've given to the Lord, after you've paid all the bills that need to be paid, after you've put money in savings, go get your iPhone 14. By the way, we all fall prey to this. I understand what they say right now. You can have the phone for free. All you have to do is sign this 30-month contract. And you're going to pay this bunch a month. It's all going to be there. Let me help you out. One of the only places in life you can get a free lunch is if you come and see, have lunch with me. Most of the rest of them are going to cost you one way or the other. And when they're offering you free stuff, can I just help you out with this? There are very few benevolent organizations in the world. Hopefully the church is one of them. I'll tell you two that aren't. The casinos aren't and phone companies aren't. They're not there for your betterment. They're there to make money. Know what you're exchanging your money for. I, I skipped one. Cheapest is not often the best. Get the best value for your money. I'm on record, Kevin. I'm on record the first deacon meeting that I was ever here. It's in the minutes. It's in the quote. My statement of finances that said, get the biggest bang for the buck. I still live by that principle. It's not we don't have any trouble spending money, but we want to make sure we're getting the best use of our money as we can. Do we ever make a mistake? Absolutely. We all do. But, we're not, but it's not because of a lack of effort. We're going to do our very best to make sure money is managed well, used in the best way. We're not buying the cheapest thing always. Sometimes we buy something that costs more, but it's going to last longer. We want to make sure we're doing the best job that we can. Know what you're exchanging money, your money, exchanging for your money. Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is not satisfied? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. It's a call from God to hear his voice and let him direct you and help you. I want to encourage you with this truth about money and everything else in life that you have the opportunity every day to ask God to help you get it right that day, and he will help you if you ask him. Third thing I want to encourage you to do is save regularly. Budget wisely, spend thoughtfully, save regularly. Consistency is the key to saving. You're not going to save it all in one day. You're going to save it not in one year, but you're going to save it over decades and here's the beautiful thing that with that, and it plays both ways. If you save regularly through decades of time, you're going to have a lot of money at the end of that period of time. The opposite is just as equally true. If you incur a little bit of debt every day and you never deal with it, there's going to come a point in time later on where the debt is going to be just overwhelming for you. Not be, and you'll look back and you'll go, what, where did I spend all this money? Can I get a witness from any people in the congregation? How am I so far in debt? I don't even know where I spent it. Well, it wasn't in a week or a month. It was years. And it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And after a while, it all adds up. Here's what Proverbs 13.11 says. 13, says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. It's called compounding interest. It either works for you or it works against you. Saving money allows you to be prepared for unexpected expenses. How many in the room have ever had an unexpected large expense in your life? Raise your hand right now. The refrigerator goes out. The tire goes flat. 
And all of a sudden, you got 20 bucks in your pocket, and you think, I got a little bit of money, and I'm doing okay, but now you realize the thing you got to go buy is going to cost $500. How, how do you alleviate that problem? By saving money so that when a problem comes up, you have a plan. Saving money allows you to make large purchases without a loan. Uh, I never will forget when I was probably 15, and I, I had, I've had a job most of my life. I threw newspapers when I was a kid. Anybody ever do that? Newspaper throwers? There's a few of us in the room. Uh, I worked at our church's daycare when I was like, in, in uh, after school care, I was a 16-year-old kid taking care of seven-year-old kids or whatever, and I had money, and I had odd jobs here and there all through my life, and I was probably 15 or 16. I had a little bit of money. I had a little bit of a source of income there, and uh, I remember going to a store and looking at a stereo. You poor guys over here know what a stereo is. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's uh, it's the thing you play music on with the radio and with a record player and probably back in those days, maybe even an eight-track or possibly cassette if we were, I remember if we were quite there yet or not. But I remember going and looking at this stereo and it was just so awesome. It was so wonderful. And, and, and I had no way I had enough money to pay for it or to buy it. But the, the guy told me, maybe there was even a sign on it, it said for $5 a week, you, know, you can own this. And I thought, I can do $5 a week. But I was 15. So the guy said, we'll need your dad to come back and sign for you. And I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I want to go buy this new stereo. It's only going to cost me $5 a week. My dad laughed. He said, you're not getting that stereo. But I can afford it. It's only $5 a week. He said, well, let's go look at the fine print on all this stuff. Well, you know how it works. It's $5 a week for the next 84 years. I mean, by the time you actually have that thing paid off, it will have been, it'll have been long gone in the trash decades before you ever finished paying for it. So I don't know if it was that year or the next year, my mom and dad at Christmas time got a stereo for me. And it was like, I'm so glad I didn't jump into that problem. I was too dumb to realize what it was going to cost me. And I, instead of saving money, I was spending money I didn't have, and I was going to pay somebody else for that privilege. Save regularly. You'll be able to handle large purchases without having to get a loan. Saving money allows you to give generously. One of the things I, I'm... I'm enjoying life more now and look forward to even more in the future is when we have special offerings because we've done some savings along the way that there's money that I can give because I have it. I know a lot of you are probably paying your tithe and giving money online with the credit card and I don't have a problem with that as long as you pay it off. But for years, I probably pushed hard against that concept. Not probably, I did. Because I didn't want anybody using debt to give to the work of the Lord. But, of course, if you're a millennial, you understand that you don't carry cash. You use credit cards all the time. Please pay them off, okay? That's all I can say to you. Please pay them off. Get your credit cards paid off as quick as you can. I don't care how low your interest is. It's costing you a lot of money. Which brings me to point number four. Borrow rarely. Consider the long-term cost of your debt. It's in, it's in um, 
bold there, and it's in red and with yellow ink, never pay just the monthly minimum payments. Can somebody shout, yes, always pay more. Can I tell you that applies to every kind of loan that you have? There are some loans that are good. I didn't say never borrow. I said borrow rarely and make sure that what you're borrowing money for, that the value of what you're receiving is greater than the interest you will be paying. Make sure you've got a good plan. Make sure you got a budget that fits with that. And if we're talking about a home loan or we're talking about other things, always pay a little extra. Now, now, I don't have time to go into all this. And by the way, starting in January, we're going to have a class called Financial Peace, Dave Ramsey's class, that meets on Wednesday nights. And if you want to discuss this deeper or hear more about it, go into those places and figure it out. There is some reality of understanding what kind of interest you got on what kind of loans. And there are times to refinance and times to pay off early. And there's all kind of options there. And you got to be wise to know all those things. But the best option, general rule is always this, get rid of debt as fast as you can. This is not an indictment. It's just a point of understanding. This is me being kind of pastor dad for a moment right here, whatever age you are. If you have a 30-year note on your home and you're paying the monthly minimum payment every month, you're paying almost nothing against the principal Add $100 or $200 to your monthly payment that goes totally against principal. And you'll cut the life of your loan down substantially. One of the beauties of the, the line of credit that we have is because of the way it's set up, whatever you give goes 100% against the principal because we pay the interest out of general fund. I think I told you this last week. When we first started with $3 million of debt, our, our interest was about 11000 a month. And now that we're down to 1.6 or so in that range there, it's, it's somewhere like, uh, like $5,000 a month of interest. And it's going to keep dropping as we lower what the, the principal is. Make sure your principal is declining. Anybody ever look at one of those charts, charts the amortization charts of a 30-year loan? Man, the first five years, you're just like paying interest pretty much. And it's like, wow, we're not making any headway. I'm just saying, be careful what you borrow. Get rid of debt as fast as you can. Borrowing, Proverbs 22, 7, will make you a slave to the lender. I got a mistyped word here on the next one, point four, under point four. Always pay back any money you have borrowed. It should say not loaned. If you've borrowed money from someone, make sure you pay it back. Psalm 37, 20 say, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Um, So we periodically will have someone come to the office and say, I have a financial difficulty and I need, normally it's a fairly large amount of money, several hundred, maybe a few thousand dollars. I need it like right away. And it's always, I need it tomorrow. I need it today by five o'clock. And can the church loan me the money and I will pay it back? So I made a commitment with D. Sokolowski a while back. I won't be a bank and he'll try not to start a new church that he's leading. You bank, I'll church and we'll do our thing, okay? He helps churches a whole lot, but it's kind of tongue in cheek joke. Not really, but you get where I'm at. It is bad business for a church to ever become a bank. 
So when something like that comes in, our first commitment of helping someone with benevolence is are they a regular attender at our church? And if they are, we'll try to do everything we can to help them if there's a financial need. We'll also talk to them about how they're managing their money because we're not trying to put a Band-Aid on a problem. We're trying to help them fix issues of life. There have been a few times in the past, just very candidly with you again, where we have given money to people and we always give it to them. We don't loan it to them. I tried to set up a thing a couple of times where we would secure the loan. It wasn't massive amounts of money, and we were prepared up front that if it didn't work out right, we'd help with benevolence and take care of it. But when someone was about to, to they had a real serious crisis problem, and, and um, they had no real source to help them with, that we have, we've helped them, and we try to do it with the bank, where it's done through the bank, but, but we're... The, kind of the guarantor of what's there. Now, we don't, do it very, we don't do it at all anymore because what I discovered is even when people owe the bank, if they're not concerned about paying debts back, it doesn't matter who it's to. So then we wind up having to help pay the debt back for them. And we've, we've gotten to the spot where we just we don't do that. If you have a need, we'll try to help you. Can, can, I, can I give you this one word of encouragement? Not that you do it for this reason, but this is why it's good to build a lot of friendships. It's amazing the people that come in that have financial needs and they tell me something like this, I don't have anybody that can help me. And I'm like, you don't have anybody? You don't have any parents? You don't have any family? You don't have any friends that can help out a little bit? See, here's the deal. It's like the, it's like the, the, the mom that asked her kid, I've told you this story before, mom asked her kid, would you rather have a million dollars or a million friends? And the kid said, easy, I'd like to have a million friends. And she was like, so proud, that's awesome. She said, if I have a million friends, I can get a dollar from each one of them, and I got a million dollars and a million friends. He's not that far from wrong. Friends are there. Part of the process of me being your friend is I'm there to help you in a time of trouble. You're there to help me in a time of trouble. That's what friends do. And when someone comes in and says, you know, I I, I need $8,000, and I have nobody in the world to help me, my first question is, how bad did you burn those bridges? There's nobody. There are are some occasions where, you know, people have just had a hard life, and we're going to try to help. And I'll tell you this, basically anybody that comes in that asks for help, if they'll go through our process, we'll give them something. And, and it may not always be what they, it's rarely what they want. Even if they're not part of our church, if they're part of our church family, we'll work even harder to try to help. But we, we, we don't want to be responsible for, for enabling people to continue on with bad habits. Here's some bonus content for you. Don't, look, don't loan what you cannot afford to lose. If you loan something to somebody, you might as well just up front recognize, I may never get this back. I'm okay with that. And if not, don't loan it. Just a little bit of helpful thought for you. Number five, wrapping it up with this, the most important part of the message, value accurately. Money is a currency that is exchanged for your life. It's what you're being paid for your time. It is a temporary currency that needs to be used with eternal perspective. When you love money, When you love money, when you love possessions, it will destroy your soul in the process. 
1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. How many of you believe that brings destruction to your soul? When you have the love of the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. You can appreciate things. There's nothing wrong with that. You can enjoy things. Nothing wrong with that. They're actually good. That's good that you do those things. But when you move across the boundary and you get out of bounds and instead of appreciating those things and being grateful for those things, you start loving those things, craving those things. They become priority in your life. Then the love of the Father is not in you. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Here's another thing to know. Abundant possessions does not equal abundant life. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own See, the key to real joy in life is contentment, being happy with what you have. Can I tell you this? If you're not happy and joyful with where you are today, you will never get there. You think, well, if I got a new car, I would be happy. Your new car is going to get old. Your new car is going to get a scratch. And about the time you think you're so joyful because you got this new car, your neighbor's going to get one that's a little bit nicer than yours. Nothing wrong with cars. Enjoy them. Appreciate them. But don't make it the focus of life. Think if I got a new house, it'd be so great. Now you got bigger utility bills. (laughs) Everything else changes. Things don't make you joyful. Only God can. Be content with what you have in life. Occasionally, I'll just go through this little exercise in my own mind. Anytime I start feeling like I don't have what I really want in life and there's more out there somewhere, I always think, what would my grandpa say if he could see me right now and see the things that I have? My grandpa, if he saw today that I had a phone in my pocket, that right there alone would absolutely trip him out. He would, you know, my grandpa's been gone since I was a teenager, and uh, that concept would be like so foreign to him, and he would think, you must be really, really wealthy to have a phone in your pocket. Then I would have to burst the bubble and say, there are six-year-olds that have a phone in their pocket. They got it for free by signing up for a four-year contract. Your reputation is more important than your assets. Proverb 22.1, choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Now, that doesn't mean the way people think you are, but the way you really are, your character, the person you are. Your wealth will not save you on the day of judgment. Riches won't help you on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. If you get news like this from a doctor or or if you're flying on a plane and the pilot says, uh, we've lost our controls and we're going to crash, everybody prepare for impact. How many of you know you can go beat on the door where the pilot is up there and say, look, I am a billionaire. 
and I'll give you $100 million to safely land this plane. If it is absolutely true that all they've lost power and the engines are out, it doesn't matter how much money you have, the plane's going to crash. If the doctor says you have an issue in your body that's not fixable and you have six weeks to live, you can say, I'll give you a billion dollars for another week. And he's going to say, I can't, I can't give it to you. There are some things money can't buy. Those are the things that we need to love. Love God. Love your family. Love your life. And don't let it become about things. Three keys with regard to God and money. Number one, trust God to be your supplier. Philippians 4.19. And to get the essence of that verse, you got to go back and read a little bit before it. You can read Philippians 4 later and see what it says. But Paul says that God will supply your needs from his glorious riches which have been given through Christ Jesus. Trust God to be your supplier. Number two, obey his instructions if you want to be blessed. Psalm 128.1 And the contemporary English version says it this way. The Lord will bless you if you respect him and obey his laws. Now let me me point this out because I I read different things about this. And sometimes I think the wording is a little bit tricky. There is reward, I guess, in the sense of if you do right, you get rewarded for it. But not in the sense of an arbitrary reward. Let Let me illustrate real quick. If I tell one of my kids when they were, if I tell one of my grandkids now, If you get all A's on your report card, I will give you $10. There's no connection between those two things. It's simply something I made up. But if your doctor tells you that if you will watch what you eat and exercise 30 minutes a day, that you're going to lose this much weight in the next six months. He's not making that up. He's not throwing, he doesn't have the power to say, If you do what I tell you to, I'm going to give you 20 pounds less in weight. It's because of what you do. The second one, that's how the reward of, of being obedient to God is. God's commands are not arbitrary. He just didn't make them up one day and assign different things to them just for the fun of it. They all have a relation. And if you do right, you're going to be blessed because the commands of God's of God leads to life, not death. Obey God in his word and you'll be blessed. Honor God with your life, including your finance. Romans 12, one and two, you know it well. New Living Translations, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm always concerned when I do a topic of messages like this that I make sure that you understand it's not just about money, it's about spirituality. More important than what you do with your money is have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? 
Now, here's what I want you to know. That when you are a follower of Christ, it will affect how you handle your money. Because you'll see it as belonging to God. And you'll treat it with care. You'll put the right things in priority in your life. But the first step is trusting God with your life. Saying, Lord, I give you my life. I trust you to take care of me, to provide for me, to help me in decisions that I make. It's an act of worship. And then because of that, the outflow of that is, and of all the things that come into my hands, may I bring you glory and honor through those things. How many of you know it takes a whole lot of wisdom to be able to manage money correctly? But God's wisdom is available for all who ask. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You're watching online. I encourage you right now just to examine your own heart. If you're not committed to following Jesus Christ, would you make that commitment today? If you faltered a little bit, would you renew that commitment today? As it relates to your finance, would you say, Lord, give me wisdom to handle the things you've placed in my hand with integrity? And Lord, may money be a source that brings freedom, not bondage to my life. If you're here today and you just like a prayer in your life, prayer for your life, you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior, if you'd like to ask the Lord to help you with your money management, if you want to commit to obeying his word, would you simply just lift a hand right now so I can pray for you all over this room? Keep me in your prayer today, Pastor. I'm going to pray for you right now. I need God's help. I need God's strength. How many across the room? If you're watching online, I encourage you to join me in this prayer right now. Would everybody in the room stand with me? Lord, I thank you today that when we call upon you, that you hear us. Lord, that you respond to us with grace and mercy, goodness and blessing. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us today to lean into you, to trust you more completely, to honor you with our finance, with our possessions, with everything material that we have. May we realize it's only on loan to us. May we manage it well in the life that you've given us. May we value the things that are most important. First of all, our relationship with you. Secondly, our relationship with our family. Relationship with our friends. Relationship in our church. Relationship with our job. May we honor you in all of those areas. May we be thankful for your blessings. Lord, may you lead us in the path of righteousness. For your name's sake, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Because we don't do the regular offering that we do, we don't have to go past buckets and have that moment, but we always encourage you in the church to give faithfully as the Lord has blessed you. You can give in one of three ways. You can give online. You can give 
We're coming to the front today to give. Thank you, Michael. I forgot we are doing that. You can bring your offering to the front today. Um, you can give it in the drop box as you leave. You can give online or you can give on the app. You can mail it to the church. Some of you already do that. There are a lot of ways you can give. If you have questions, you can call the church office and talk to Jennifer, and she'll help you figure that out. Thank you for your faithfulness. How many of you right now will join me in saying this? I'm thankful for the blessings of God, and I want to honor him with everything he's given me. Will you just lift a hand real high in the air? Father, I do thank you for all of your blessings. We want to honor you. We want to thank you for the abundance that you've given to us. Lord, may you continue to bless us that we might be a blessing to others. Use our church, God, to shine light in Owasso and the surrounding communities across our state, across our nation, and around the world. May you be glorified, God, in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.